you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Guardian. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of In Orbit Mash Those Buttons podcast, dedicated to Destiny and its community. Wherever you are and whenever you're listening, we thank you as always for making us a part of your Destiny experience. My name is Jorge, and on today's show we have Full Clip. Say hi. What's going on, guys? So, unfortunately, due to technical issues that we had in the previous recording, um... Jordan and David won't be able to make it on today's show, so definitely catch them on the next episode, and I apologize that they aren't going to be able to be on this week's show, but we got a ton of stuff that we're going to be talking about. Make sure that you guys are checking out all the other podcasts available here on the Mash Those Buttons Network at www.mashthosebuttons.com. Get involved with us here at In Orbit by sending us questions at inorbitpodcasts at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at InOrbitPodcast. On today's show, we're going to be talking about Iron Banner returning, how you're doing with regards to your book, excitement for future raids, and we're going to be talking about the big thing that happened this week, which is the release of Vault of Glass 390. Our rewards that we've gotten from that, experiencing the old weapons made exotic, and final thoughts with regards to... uh, the challenge modes that we had in this week's raid. So without further ado, let's go ahead and talk about it. Iron Banner is returning next week. Iron Banner Control, to be more precise. And we're going to have shotguns, the auto rifle, the class armor, and arms. Now, outside of the book itself, are you excited to go ahead and run through Iron Banner again? Not really. I mean... Iron Banner is kind of like losing its feel, and I know that a lot of people are going to hate me for saying it, but it's just, it's not the same. And I mean, I'm going to have to run through it just to reach rank five in the book, and that's about it. Like, there's nothing really drawing me to it. But I mean, the rewards aren't really that great anymore. And I mean, everyone basically already has the auto rifle anyway. The shotgun you get from doing the, um, I can't think of the name of the other book right now, The Rise of Iron Book. So there's really no point in even having it in that loot table. I mean, what do you think on that? I mean, I think it's an it's an actual different archetype of shotgun. I, I don't, I'm not sure exactly. I, I know they they go by different names. I know what shotgun you're talking about. Um, they look almost identical. But with regards to the actual Iron Banner, I'm not sure. I mean, I've been... I don't want to sound elitist or anything, but I've been over Iron Banner for a while now, and it has nothing to do with the actual event. I think it's really cool that you can go in there and get Max Light stuff, and I've always appreciated it 
for its once a month thing. But lately, just, I don't know, there's no, there's no special feeling. For example, even though Trials of Osiris is an elimination game type, there's some charm that it has. A set, um, a set map, which this week it's a, a completely different map. If I'm not mistaken, it's Dungeons this week, which has never been featured for Trials of Osiris. Um... But there's a specific charm to Trials of Osiris. It, it's a set thing with its own set rewards, and it's a, a special event, and it feels like something that you're accomplishing. Whereas with Iron Banner, I don't feel like it's all that special. Yes, you do get Iron Banner-specific rewards, but it doesn't feel like... I, I don't I don't think that, that they did enough since it was introduced to really make it feel all that special and stand out. It, it feels kind of stuck in its own thing ever since it was introduced. Yeah, that is true. I, I do agree with what you're saying. It makes sense. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm really hoping that come Destiny 2, uh, one of the things I always stated um, back in s many episodes ago was I wanted Iron Banner to be its own exclusive event with its own weapons. And what I mean by that is not just you're getting rewards, but let's say when you're doing Iron Banner you can only use Iron Banner weapons. And at the end of the event, or when you've reached, let's say, max level five, you get to keep one of those weapons that you choose for Iron Banner. It's already max leveled out. It has all the perks unlocked. And an Iron Banner weapon, Iron Banner armor piece that you carry on outside of Iron Banner. Like, that's how I would have done the reward system. That way you're guaranteed something new every single week. Yeah. It just that, I mean, that has that great feel to it because that's one, like you can't go in and do it one week and get every single thing you want. That's literally making it to where, okay, I have to sacrifice, you know, a couple of the guns that I got to only take one. And I also mm -hmm. have to sacrifice the armor pieces and only take one. Yeah. I mean, I would like to see more modes like that where you restrict the gamer and I know for a lot of people that are like, I want to be able to use Last Word. I want to use Hawkmoon. Sometimes to encourage gamers to experience the game in new and exciting ways, it's better to restrict them. And if you only had, let's say, Lingering Song to use as your hand cannon, it, it feels like a completely new mode. Uh, one of the most exciting times people had, um, a lot of the streamers had, was the event where... When uh, Taken King was being released, where they only had access to the set legendary weapons uh, for Crucible, where you didn't know what your role was going to be, but it felt like every single gun was, you know, it felt like an even playing field. And I think that doing something like that for Iron Banner would set it apart. It makes it feel completely different, makes it feel fresh, and it makes it feel like you're going into something different. And kind of have its own little uh, social space like Trials of Osiris. It'd be cool if, outside of the Iron Temple, but there was a special place where you would go once you've reached level 5. You have been invited to the halls of the Iron Lords. And you go over there and you're able to buy, I don't know, certain stuff that you can only get if you reach level 5. Um, say... Because you reach level five, you're able to buy crucible commendations or um, 
the the experience points of boosters. Just those that's the only place that you can get it. It makes that area feel more special. Um, and I'm hoping that they do something like that in Destiny 2. It's completely impossible for, for Destiny 1 at this point. But it feels like Iron Banner needs a refresh of some sort. And this is just an idea. I know a lot of people are probably screaming at the, at the podcast right now. But I, I want them to approach things differently with Iron Banner and make it its own special event with certain restrictions to make Iron Banner its own little game mode and its own little experience. Yeah, I mean, that that really is a great idea just because it's... <sighs> Iron Banner just feels like you're going into just like a different play style of Crucible. It doesn't really feel like it's got its own thing like how Trials does. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I understand that it's one type of game mode and it cycles through every week, but also having it where it's constantly different maps is like, okay. But at the same time, it's like, all right, why don't we make it to where like they're iron banner only maps type thing. Right. Yes. That would be very cool. Imagine if, if you ha- you had a special map or three versions of a map and it would just alternate between iron banner events. But let's say one version of the map, you know, there's a whole bunch of iron statue of wolves all over the place and there's fire torches and you can kind of use them for cover, and it, like it's a visually appealing thing, right? Um, and and you could design game modes based on that map. Like, let's say a specific um, Iron Banner style map for Rift. Um, I think the biggest problem with Rift is the maps themselves. The maps themselves don't lend to Rift. But if you had a a Rift map that was kind of like a maze. Where you're going through and like you're not sure what's around you and 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 there's all these high walls and you can use them for cover and you're running through and different paths to get to the goal like that would make that rift game mode more exciting. I think the problem with rift is that they're trying to fit a very cool game type into maps that don't lend themselves for that, which leads to people not really enjoying the game mode. Yeah, I mean, that it definitely is one that when it comes to Rift, I know that there are a lot of people that don't like playing it. As, I mean, certain maps make it completely unfair. Like, there's one of the maps on the Dreadnought that I can't think of the name right now, but if you are on the left side when it spawns, you will basically win the match because it's just that easy to get the Relic and smash on the other team. But a lot of people don't like it, just like a lot of people don't like Supremacy, just because of the the different maps and it's not they don't think it's that fun me i actually like supremacy it is kind of fun rift is okay depending on the map Mm -hmm. yeah rift is definitely heavily dependent on the map um there's certain maps that really lend well to it and it'd be interesting to see a rift 2.0 a completely different scoring system um that's let's say uh it's completely dependent on slams um but just something different um, in Destiny 2. And, and who knows, we may not even get Supremacy or Rift in Destiny 2. We may get completely new game modes. I mean, we already are expecting completely new game modes. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that there's going to be, um, which people have been begging for, um, outside of Capture the Flag. But I don't think it's all out of the, the realm of possibility of big team battles, like 20 versus 20 in destiny 2 which would just be absolute insanity you know just hearing 
if we had 20 versus 20 with Vex Mythicloud. Oh, God. <laughs> Just picturing Zalo, like, wrecking people in that. I mean, <laughs> that's one. It's really not out of the realm of possibility because if you look back at different games, and this is one that I used to play this with my brothers on PS3 all the time, a game called Mag. And mm-hmm. that was well known for having those big team groups. It was one of the first games that actually did, um, what was it, 24 on 24. And you can have game uh, game groups all the way up till, like I think it was like 126 people in one game. And that's not like one game mode. It's one open game uh, that you're basically doing like, Thirty or uh, sixty-three people on sixty-three people, and it was nuts. And it actually ran very smoothly. So that was back on PS3. That's definitely a possibility that they can do. Being it coming from Bungie, I don't see their um, servers being an issue. It's just definitely going to be a lot of maintenance on their part. So I mean, the fact that if they could do that, that would be amazing. Yeah, I mean. I- I think one of the big things that, that's going to happen with Destiny 2, just because of how big they're pushing um, the, the the eSports League and how big it's going to be of a jump to go and play Destiny on PC, is that they're I'm almost positive that they're going to go with dedicated servers with Destiny 2. I mean, I don't want to say with 100% certainty because we haven't heard any words, but just based on evidence you know destiny jumping into esports um there's rules set up just the move to pc is a very big deal oh of and course if, and if you had you know the the peer to peer connection that we had on pc you would have a complete fan base that would just completely scream bloody murder and it just wouldn't work so i i think dedicated servers is a heavy possibility for destiny 2 based on the evidence that we're seeing and i'm excited to see the possibility in the future um and that would lend itself better to 20 versus 20. the the reason we're bringing this all up is just because i i want to see new ideas for iron banner and i think that stuff like this big team battle iron banner um where where they kind of go back into the history is like replicate the the experience of the iron lords as they fought their way to to take Siva, you know, that where there were literally hundreds of Iron Lords out on the field. It, it, you could replicate an, an experience like that. And that'd be very cool to see in the future. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into the next topic, which is how is your book coming along? Um, and by the book, I'm talking about the giant 13 page book that we got with the Age of Triumph, um, where we got a whole bunch of emblems and for some people, they've already completed or got enough of the book complete to get the sheet, the shirt. I'm sorry. How's your book coming along, Josh? Uh, <laughs> kind of struggling a little bit. I mean, I'm only at about 50%, but I mean, I'm one, I'm a beta player. And I know that it's one of those things that anyone who's a beta player, a year one player, it always makes it known. But it's, I've done everything since, you know, launch. And there's still that very first thing on the very first page that's like complete inactivity before um, the first expansion comes out, before the Dark Below comes out. I know that I've done it. And it's not letting me fill it in. So that's bugging the crap out of me. But 
I'm not really too excited for it. I mean, I want to go through. I want to get the shirt. I I like getting swag like that. I was very happy that I completed the last book pretty quickly so I can get the shirt and get my gamer tag on it and all that. But with this one, it's just. I'm not really feeling the same. It is a big book, but I feel like they should be given a little bit different rewards, like maybe um, like with when you have the Rise of Iron book. You got Rise of Iron gear. Maybe something like the Age of Triumph gear you can get through this, especially completing like the Warlock page or the Hunter page or the Titan page. Um, you can get the uh, the gear for that for that race or for um, that class, as opposed to only being able to get those through the Age of Treasure um, rewards. But other than that, I mean, yeah. like, the book's not too exciting this time around. I mean, for me, um, again, I'm not trying to sound cynical or anything. Um, I already knew that this expansion was going to be a limited thing for me. Um, and what I mean by that is I don't want to go back and do the same strikes. Um, and I kind of did some strikes yesterday just to you know pass some time. Um, and until I get uh, Genesis Chain Solar, the uh, Abyss Defiant Solar is the best weapon, in my opinion, to use in solar strikes just because you just burn everything down um even uh, vex mythoclass does a lot of damage but it just it 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 pales because of the ammo capacity but i mean for example yesterday we were doing uh the shield brother strike with solar which i've said many times on the show i think it's the absolute worst <laughs> possible use of solar burn just because it's just pure cheese but with Vex Mythoclass, you just burn everything down. It's hilarious. You're, you're, and, and same thing with Abyss Defiant. I'm, I'm destroying these, these things just left and right. But back to the main point, um, the book itself is not all that exciting to me. What excites me more is being able to take new people along for the old raids. And there's a lot of people out there who never experienced Vault of Glass at its original difficulty. And this is kind of going back to how it used to be where everything was tough. It was not an easy out. You couldn't just backpack people through uh, or you, you used to be able to just have maybe one person backpack through, but everybody had to be on point. And when, when rise of iron came out, you know, we could still go back and do vault of glass, but it was very easy. We used to be able to burn through it. And now with, with the raids being three ninety and, all these new, well, quote-unquote, new rewards, you know, you can't backpack the people like you used to be able to. Everybody has to be involved. The oracles must be destroyed. And it's a cool experience to take people through this and feel that old challenge again. For example, Vault of Glass, we used the the old version, we used to be able to do it in 40, 40 50 minutes. Now it's a three-and-a-half-hour affair just because you want to do the challenges. And it's kind of exciting to be able to go through that stuff again. And that's what, what excites me. The rest of the book, I'm, I'm not saying that it was a terrible job by Bungie. They were basically trying to get people to go through and get excited for Destiny 2, reliving the old stuff before everything literally gets torn down by the Cabal. Everything gets destroyed. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not rushing through the book. Most people, most of the people that that I, I play with, they they burn right through the book. But there's just very little incentive for me. I know I'm going to get the T-shirt, and when I get the T-shirt, that's fine. And 
I'm most likely going to get 100% of the book, but I'm just not as excited for the book as I as many people are. And I don't know if it's just me. It's just I don't want to be doing the same activities again and again and again. Yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree with that. It's it definitely it's a lot of repetition and it's a lot of going back and forth. But when it comes to certain pages in that book, like the raid pages, mm-hmm. I kind of was hoping that they would do a little bit more. And what I mean by that is instead of having just one page for the raids and say, OK, complete the 390 version of Crota, Vault of Glass, King's Fall and Wrath of the Machine. Like I'm one. I, I hate Wrath of the Machine. I really do. It's a pain in the ass. It's just it's not fun. And Crota is just, well, Crota is the easiest one by far. The two that are the most fun, at least for me, and the most raid-like are Vault of Glass and King's Fall. I was kind of hoping that in that page of the book, they would have broken it up a little bit more. That was, okay, do, you know, this on Crota, complete Crota on, you know, the 390, go through whatever, um, actually do the lamps, not just have one person run the lamps. And I know that's the one of the biggest parts that every single person that's run Crota has always had an issue with was running the lamps as stupid as it sounds. A lot of people will die halfway through, or a lot of people will be like, Oh no, I don't want to be bothered with it. You go through, you get it. But something, just something different to where it was making you go through and it kind of like forcing you to do each part. Mm -hmm. Like, the the best thing to use as an example would be Vault of Glass. You have two different paths that you can go before you get to the oracles, once you open the vault. You have the traditional path, which only had that one chest where you would split paths, and then you have the second path, which is the one I always used to take, um, which was the one that you would go for the three ghosts to start your No Time to Explain quest. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know that they want a lot of people going that way because that's where the new chest is but even having something as simple as like oh go the old way once or something like that it would have made the a better time going through the the old raids right kind of put uh i don't want to say achievements but very similar to that um yeah i guess you 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 could just go with achievements many achievements inside the book uh, a vault of glass page a crota's end page Wrath of the Machine page, um, King's Fall page, where you're doing specific things. Um, for example, I, I can just think one off the top of my head for King's Fall. Ha- open up the door in Golgross Maze. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Which a lot, of, a lot of people skip that. And it's a fun little challenge. Like a lot of people don't r- realize how, how involved it can be just to open that one chest. And now that chest is going to be important because you might want to get uh the class armor from that or the artifact so that just all of a sudden becomes an important thing and you don't want to just skip to the end right right exactly i mean that was one that when everyone first figured out how to get that chest it felt it was definitely a lot of fun getting to get everyone in the raid to actually go through jump on the plates and you know go through the one that you have to jump through that little crack in the door to get but once you open it and you're like i just did all that for moldering shards and a heavy ammo synth like that was a complete waste of time like a slap in the face type deal but yeah even if they did something like how we figured out how to get to the one hidden room in king's fall in the uh second jumping puzzle with all the um 
those uh the wall pillars that's a good one too yeah it's there's really no reason except for everyone calls it what was it oryx's basketball court or you know practice slam room or whatever there still is no point to that room i mean if Mm -hmm. they would have made something like that relevant because that was honestly more fun than opening the chest in golgoroth's cellar um that would have been one that it's like, all right, hey, look, come in here. We put a new chest in here or something like that. Or come in here and just check it off on a book, you know, slam on each one of the um, statues and your achievement's done. Some people are going to have issues with that, like people that are like casual gamers or stuff like that, people that don't do raids or that don't do raids enough, that don't have enough group or whatever. But that would be one that would be really fun to make that relevant. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I personally would have done with regards to the chest in Golgoroth's cellar to make it relevant would have made that chest an exotic chest. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 I don't understand why they... I mean, they did that with... If you think about it, they did that with Crota's End where, they, where the chest in the stills, the darkness area, that used to be an exotic chest and they moved that over that drop over to uh, Omnigul. And instead they could they could have moved the exotic chest drop from the jumping puzzle the second jumping puzzle over to that chest that way it, it's it's a like it made it worth your while to actually open up that chest i don't the the reward system in 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 king's fall even though the raid was awesome the reward system was just uh, it was very questionable since the beginning and it was only modified in and in, in the april update and I, I still don't understand what they were trying to do with regards to the original loot drop it was just really 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 terribly done um but that's beside the point um in fact let's go ahead and jump into the next topic which with what we were talking about um your excitement for the future raids um we were already talking about king's fall i know that you said that that's one of your favorite raids because it felt like an actual raid experience what do you think is going to be changing with regards to king's fall I don't think that they're going to do a lot of change with the challenges because those challenges, they were the first challenges they actually brought into the game. So those mm-hmm. would make sense that they're definitely going to stay. I think they are going to change them up a little bit. Um, Golgoroth, I don't see them changing too much only because Golgoroth is still a very difficult challenge in its own. Um, I mean, there mm-hmm. are a, a lot of different ways you can go through and you can do it. Uh, one of the ones that like was my favorite with one of the groups that I used to run with when I was playing on Xbox was we would go through and do the the circle route where you would all start in the middle. The first person would run through, jump on the one bridge, grab his attention and go around. And then, you know, it just keeps continuing. That was a lot of fun. But I think that they might introduce something to um, the sisters, to the Death Singers. As opposed to doing the Oryx challenge, because the Oryx challenge is by far one of the easiest ones. Between that and the War Priest, I honestly don't know which one's easier. Um, but I think they're going to change up the War Priest a little bit because we've all been able to take him down in one or two goes if we need it. And you always start on the right side and then you go to the middle. I, I think they're going to change that up some somewhat differently. I think that the Taken aren't going to be saved to the last that, who knows, maybe the Taken will start first. Maybe the Taken will be blended in with all of the uh, the Hive. That, that I see changing as far as anything else. Maybe 
I, I really only want to say Death Singers because they're, they're the only ones that don't have anything. And I know that since they're the precursor to Oryx, that it really doesn't make sense to put one there. It's the only one that doesn't have it that I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, the, the, the change I can see happening, which I, I can only theorize, is that there's going to be additional enemies or different types of enemies in the um oh what is it called the 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 totems section mm -hmm. imagine imagine if you're when you're in the rooms and you're trying to keep the uh the totems not for, from not activating instead of a knight popping up up top you have a taking captain spawning in the middle and you have to, like throwing its ball of evil at you like that <laughs> would introduce some sort of challenge um like after a certain amount of time, you no longer get that knight up there. You get the, the taken captain. Like that would be more of a of a challenge by modifying a specific enemy. The fact that there's no taken there is kind of weird, considering this is supposed to be a taken raid, and there's actually not that many spots where where you deal with taken. If you really think about it, um, the only time taken show up is in war priest. If you don't kill him in the first two goes. Same thing with Golgoroth. The the Taken only show up, and it's Taken Thrall. That's it. In the um, when you've done more than half damage to Golgoroth, and that actually makes the fight easier. Um, sisters, you deal with Taken, but uh, they they come out in specific patterns so where you can easily predict the enemies, and then Oryx. It's just. I mean, there's Taken all over the place, but it feels like there should have been more Taken in the early goings. It seems weird that you're you're dealing with the with the Hive. Yeah, I and I, I do completely agree with you on that one. If that's one, if he's supposed to be the Taken King, why are we dealing with Hive? Why aren't we dealing with a lot more Taken than uh, just in literally like two rooms? Oryx's room mm -hmm. and... Um, the War Priest, I mean, you deal with them a little bit in Golgoroth, but if you can do Golgoroth fast enough, you don't have to deal with them, and then you're done. But, I don't know, I do feel that raid, um, some of it's going to be changing. That one, between that and Vault of Glass, they both are, really are my favorite raids, because they're the only two that actually feel like raids. They're the two that need the most communication out of everything, which, if you look at any other game that has raids, it could be something as simple as, like, Final Fantasy fourteen. You go through you can't really just go through and do a raid without talking to the other people because that's always how raids are. You need to communicate with everyone in your group and you need to know what you're doing. And even if you're new to it, you do need people to either Sherpa you or just to explain what's going on. So right. with these, those two raids specifically vault glass and King's fall, you need communication. That is like the key for those raids. If you don't even know what to do and you have good communication, you're fine. You'll make it through the raids, no problem. You might even get it done on the first shot without dying. You could possibly get Flawless Raider on King's Fall. Mm -hmm. It just comes down to communication and those two heavily need it where it's not like Crota. It's like, all right, let me run the lamps. You guys all sit back, pull you through. Okay, everybody wipe. Let me cheese the bridge. Or like, all right, we brought down the Death Singer. You guys just shoot when I tell you to, and that's all you need to worry about. Crota is just way too easy. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say this. The, the recent changes of Crota did make it a much better, more fleshed-out raid. I just think that 
there's very little that they could have done with that raid to really encourage the team play outside of what they did with the bridge where you absolutely can't need five people to cross in order to kill the gatekeeper. If you don't have the sword, you can't kill the gatekeeper and you can't mm-hmm. proceed to the next part. So I, I, I appreciate them for what they did. And the challenges made it so that there's more team play. But for the most part, I mean, I mean, even Crota, I, I, can you one person him? Yes, but for most teams, it's not really an option because that oversoul will kill you. You, if you if you don't kill him on the first go around, you're gonna have a really really tough time um, dealing with the oversoul. So, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a really they did a lot of good things to encourage team play, but I I still think that Crota just just the overall design or the the starting design doomed it from from really achieving anything in the future. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, and I kind of want to go back to this topic in a little bit um, when we talk about Vault, because there's a couple things that I want to bring up that you kind of hinted to. But before we do that, let's go ahead and talk about Mash Those Buttons. Mash Those Buttons is your ultimate resource for video game commentary, reaction, and involvement by a variety of opinionated and informed gamers who love gaming of all kinds. Covering a large swath of gaming, we cover the latest news and information on all the games you care about, and always provide unfiltered commentary and fun. Make sure you all are checking out all the killer podcasts available on the Mash Those Buttons Network at www.mashthosebuttons.com. And before we go ahead and talk about Vault, we want kind of want to talk about the challenges. Um, we What would you say before Vault of Glass were the hardest challenges for you? What do you mean the hardest challenges raid wise or just in the game? The actual challenge mode themselves. I would say the the hardest ones would definitely be um, the ones in Wrath of the Machine and Golgoroth Challenge. Um, Golgoroth Challenge was, like I said earlier, you, you definitely need good communication to run that. But once you find the way it goes, you're good. But Wrath of the Machine is definitely, I feel like that with that raid specifically, they were trying way too hard to get back to that same level of King's Fall difficulty. And they kind of overshot it because there's so many glitches that were happening or that was happening. And a lot of the things just came down to communication. But you also needed that good communication in times where it's a lot of people need to talk at the same time and that for me was not a good idea i just i'm I'm not one i don't really like rather the machine so that's why i'm probably a little bit biased with those challenges mm-hmm. i mean like i still need to go through i still need to do axis challenge and that one is just it's annoying yeah, I, I will say this. Axis is definitely, from in my opinion, the hardest challenge. And I know a lot of people are kind of looking at me saying it's not that hard. A- uh, Vosik is harder. But here's the situation with Axis. Axis, I, th- I feel, represents more of the team challenge aspect, which is something that is very heavily prevalent in um, Vault of Glass with regards to the challenges that they've added. Uh, before we even get into the challenges, let's go ahead and talk about Vault of Glass real quick. 
Vault of Glass is very similar to what you played and loved before. Uh, there's a few minor changes um, with regards to the to the the first real big change is that they moved the reward from beating the Templar without him teleporting to a the special area that that Josh was just talking about. When you go through in the Paradox mission, you get the three dead ghosts. They put that uh, chest there, and that's where you get another set of rewards. They no, they no longer spawn that chest after you kill the Templar without teleporting. And beyond that, the Oracle's uh, section, there's now four phases as opposed to seven, and each phase spawns about eight Oracles, I want to say. I, I, I didn't really count, but it's about it sounds about right with eight. And that's pretty much it with regards to that section. No big changes there. Um, but then you have the Templar, which is the first big challenge. As predicted on the show, and I'm sure by a whole bunch of people, the, te- uh, the challenge for Templar was to make him not teleport. Well, I have no hard facts to back this up, but I'm pretty sure that they changed it so that the body damage to the Templar, the percentage is a lot less than what it used to be, and then precision damage to the Templar is slightly higher than what it was before encouraging you to hit those critical shots or if you do body damage you're just not going to be able to kill them fast enough and i'm not entirely sure if they did or not but it's possible they may have increases overall xp or, or i'm sorry hp i should say and yeah i mean those 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 several changes are enough to make the templar fight a little bit different than what you were doing uh in year one I mean, in year one, I always did the quote-unquote challenge mode because it was just a faster way to burn the boss. And yes, you did have in the original power of Galahorn, but even then, you could do body shots and, and without the critical shots, and it, it you would just burn the Templar really, really quick. And this this time, you can't really do that as you used to. Um, it's still a, a, a semi-challenging battle. It's it's a it's a really challenging battle if you don't know. Um, I don't want to say it's just cheese or an exploit because those don't really sound right. Um, but it, you you have the one person with the relic running to the front area, doing a big U-turn. It, I'll include the link for the solo Templar uh, video, which is actually a very interesting video to watch. But apply that um, version of defeating the Templar with five other people, you can burn the Templar really quick. Um, David was invited to do uh, a run of Templar, and he was able to complete that run in 2 minutes 30 seconds. And the group that had been doing that, uh, when they lost their their six, they had been on that fight for almost three hours. So it completely changes the dynamic of that fight by doing that method and i'm not sure if that was intended um but the minotaurs just make and all those ads they just make that fight really really difficult um and it's it's actually kind of interesting to see how that became the toughest the toughest challenge first and then it became the easiest challenge a- after a week or so so yeah but i think what with- was your experience uh, as i say with uh with, with that challenge specifically like i i actually do enjoy it um I think it's one that you can actually get pretty diverse with that because you can have, I mean, primarily the best would be having two hunters, two Titans, two warlocks and Mm -hmm. each one having its own thing with, 
that a lot of people that play warlocks like me i made a warlock my second is a hunter and i'm not really the best with it but when i went through and played on my hunter all i was just doing was kept tethering them and once i did that then the titans were popping bubbles and then one of the warlocks was doing self-res and would just pop that and would just spam him with uh, solar grenades so we had mm -hmm. a pretty diverse group but a lot of people were trying to use Gallahorn saying that, you know, this is the best thing to use. And then I pulled out Sleeper and went, I'm doing more damage than you guys are after your wolf pack rounds hit. But the first time I went through and played it and actually did it, I was using Gallahorn too. And what I noticed was when you get a critical shot with Gallahorn, normally it's just your wolf pack rounds would go and would just hit and do additional damage. Now, I don't know if it was a glitch or what. My wolf pack rounds, whenever I hit a critical hit, would become critical hits as well. I feel like that one's kind of cheating a little bit, but it's also, it's still not doing as much damage as Sleeper, where now it's coming down to Sleeper and Ex Machina are doing, like, the most damage. So even if you want to run both of those at the same time, you can. When you run out of Sleeper shots, you just switch to your Sniper, to Ex Machina, and you can literally take him down. If your whole team's running that, he'll go down in two minutes. He really will, but it's definitely a lot more fun. Everyone has their own thing. I have found a couple little glitches myself in it, but uh, it, I mean, it still makes it fun. Yeah. For those that don't know, the X Machina is a sniper rifle from uh, the Wrath of the Machine raid, and it's quickly proven to be the best sniper um, just because of its legendary um, status. Uh, rather than having a black spindle, which is exotic, which is a very, very good exotic. I'm, I'm not taking any anything away. But I think the time to kill for Ex Machina is only 8% slower than black spindle. And just because you have to reload the gun, but it's a very, very quick reload once you empty the entire magazine. I mean, black... Uh, black... I'm sorry, not black. Uh, Ex Machina just just outclasses it in most scenarios just because I can have a sleeper simulant or an exotic sword on while I have that, that sniper rifle. It's just such an effective weapon. And I highly recommend that if you don't have Ex Machina prior to going into Vault of Glass, and if you don't have sleeper simulant, I would highly recommend doing the Vault of Glass, I'm sorry, Wrath of the Machine raid on hard first to get Ex Machina and then going into Vault of Glass just because it's such an effective weapon. Um, there's a lot of use for Ex Machina in a lot of these raids. Even next week for um, for Wrath of the Mich I mean, not King's sorry, Fall. King's Fall. I apologize. Yep, King's Fall. Uh, I would highly recommend that people go and use Ex Machina over Black Spindle just because you can you can alternate between using sleeper simulant and ex machina that's a lot of damage right there you know especially on bosses such as golgoroth uh, the war priest uh using sleeper simulant and and ex machina you're just dealing an insane amount of damage black spindle is not a bad weapon at all but you're limited because if you have spindle once you get through all the rounds most likely you're going to be switching to your, your heavy and exotic, or, or I'm sorry, legendary heavy, which not that Quillum's Terminus is a bad heavy, but the combination of, of Machina and, and uh, Sleeper just does so much more damage. It's, it's just an insane amount of damage. Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend 
you haven't picked it up, go get a group, do Wrath of the Machine, get yourself an Ex Machina from Vosik 2, and use that in the raids. It's such an effective weapon. It's so good. It really, really is. The only thing that compared to it was... This was pre-Age um, of Triumph, so unfortunately you can't really get that anymore, but the Crucible Vendor, um, Crucible Quartermaster, had the sniper rifle, and I forget what it's called now, but he had the sniper rifle with the quick reload after you empty the magazine, so you you could get comparable um, amount of damage. Uh, the only difference is that you wouldn't have the four bullets in the magazine, you would have three. So... It's a slight trade-off, but if you didn't have Ex Machina, that was a that was a very very solid weapon, and um, yeah, it, it, I can't stress enough Ex Machina just plain destroys, especially in this raid because the sniper rifles are very very effective against the Templar, very very effective against Atheon. Uh, wow, I mean, I'm just thinking about about the damage. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. They're they are very effective here, and the drops are are still pretty favorable. I went through, uh, did challenge mode on both. Uh, I, I run a warlock and a hunter. I'm still working on my titan. My titan's not even up enough to get to any of the um, any of the raids right now, but. With my two characters that I ran through, did challenge mode on both Atheon and on the Templar. I walked away with uh, two adept, or, I'm sorry, three adept weapons. One of them was a duplicate. Um, one legendary weapon, uh, or I'm sorry, two legendary weapons, because I'm forgetting about the foil, and three armor pieces. And then a bunch of engrams between sublime engrams and legendary engrams. It's my luck has literally been all right. Instead of getting something, you're going to be getting an engram, or it's all right. Even though you already have this and you have this on you, here's another one. Mm-hmm. But they, I mean, they are pretty favorable. I know that um, we did talk about this earlier, um, or at least Jordan and I did last night when he jumped in the group to help us with the Atheon challenge. But it's it all comes down to what your luck is. Some people are having a lot of luck with getting the weapons, whereas I'm getting a lot of luck with the engrams. And there are people who are getting a lot of luck, and I know Jordan was one of them, that he's getting a lot of the armor. Where it all comes down to what your RNG is, but it seems that what I'm noticing at least is if you're starting to notice that you're getting more weapons, more armor, or more engrams, that's what you're primarily going to be sticking to for the rest of that raid i could be wrong mm-hmm. but that's what i've noticed yeah i mean i know a lot of people are reporting that they're not getting that many armor pieces um and to kind of test it out uh, i i ran crota and now that it's available at 390 and you can do it without the challenges crota i got the artifact and i got one or two armor pieces on on all three characters as in like i got one artifact and one armor or, or two armor pieces when i did when i completed run on all three characters that's it i didn't get any more armor pieces and maybe one or two primaries but nothing beyond that i, I got a lot of duplicates uh, primary wise from w- what i did last week so it wasn't too rewarding and i think that they are intentionally having the lower drop rates for armor pieces to encourage people to go back and do those raids. 
um, just because the, the main carrot that everybody wanted was the Adept Fatebringer or the Adept Exotic Primary of their choice. Um, and I think they everybody got that, but the secondary carrot on the stick was those the way the armor looks and that, you know, getting the perfect roll or whatever, that could take you through all of the summer. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it's an artificial um, scarcity or what what the situation was, but it it feels a little weird. But I I, I would understand if it was intentionally done that way. Um, So, I mean, back to to the the actual vault itself. Um, I like a lot of the changes. Um, I don't like... One of the things that we talked about in the previous recording um, that, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to use. But one of the things we did talk about was the in-book challenge of the Gorgons. And it feels like they're just massive tanks. with, Like they put Vals to Arik to shame. The old Vals to Arik. (laughs) I mean, you have to tether them. um, and you have to have everybody on point with their damage. Otherwise, it's just gonna, it's, you're not going to do enough damage to kill it before it kills you. Uh, the challenge is kill all the Gorgons in the maze. They no longer respawn and they no longer do the um, Gorgons get stronger perk after you kill, kill one. But those things are just mini tanks. They're just taking hits left and right. And I didn't find the, the challenge all that well executed i i get what they were trying to do but it feels a little ham-fisted it, it, it feels like they were just artificially they they boosted their health up just to make it tough and there's more that they could have done there i don't know I, I, what was your experience like because I, I know that you had a an interesting experience yes yes i did the uh the group that i ran with um when we went through and we did it we only did it once but we were going pretty pretty well we were going through we were singling out each one that we wanted to take and we were going through and progressing but since there's no physical number that shows you in the book of how many there are i think we got down to there was like nine or something like that nine or eleven um we went through and we thought we had them all and then we found there was two more left but what my group was doing was we were running with swords and a lot of people were using um, like Dark Drinker or Soul Edge and we would tether them, have two people with swords stand behind them. So this way, when everyone else is hitting them from the front with swords, they're not going to go flying. Well, we weren't able to get the challenge done because on the last two that we were on, one of them glitched completely through the people that were standing behind them. And while they were tethered, they were all the way off in the air and we were like, well, we can't even hit you with anything and you should have been dead already. So we're not doing this again because we were already about half hour in on just the, the Gorgon challenge, but we were sitting there and we were even looked at each other and went, we're really only doing this to get a little piece in the book that you don't have to do because you can complete everything else on that page and get credit for that page. We don't have to do this and all for just like a little checkpoint. It's not even like we're getting it our own, like how you would do the challenges and get the challenge emblems. Like you're not even getting an emblem. You're not getting a shader. You're not getting a specific like weapon or an engram or anything like that. Three of coins don't even work on those things. So it's, it, it didn't seem like that putting the effort for or through it was actually worth it. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
yeah, it was fun. It was fun joking around and stuff like that. And we were all, you know, laughing and having a good time. But we went through, I know, like you said earlier, in um, when we were doing the other recording, that you don't want to go through and do it again because it does take a lot of time. It does take a lot of communication. But it, it's, and this is where I think you would agree with me, it's really not worth the reward because the reward really isn't there. There, there's you're just doing it for like a little check mark in the book. Um, right. I mean, if we look at other things that we've had, I know that we can compare it to the Black Spindle Run because what you had to do was eliminate all the enemies after you killed the boss in that in that run, and you at least got an exotic and a chance at a a, a ship, which I was very lucky and got that ship on the first go around. Kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get until like much, much, much later, almost a year later. Yeah, but it's one of those like everyone was having that. But here you're going through, you're killing the Gorgons and they're all really strong and you're not basically getting anything for it. You can't use three coins. You, you can't really do anything. You might get lucky and get like axiomatic beads or blue polyphage or something like that. Or you might get like an, an ammo drop and that's about it mm -hmm. yeah i mean for me what i personally would have done because i feel that that challenge is really tough would have been a specific gorgon emblem like maybe that would entice you more to do that challenge but i mean i understand that every that it, that it's supposed to be a challenge but it just it feels like the reward isn't there with regards to completing that challenge. Not everything has to have a reward. And sometimes, you know, completing the book is proof enough that you, you know, are an elite, quote unquote, elite destiny player. But it, it just feels very, very strange. I, 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 I'm not sure what they were trying to do with regards to the Gorgons there. Um, I just feel they kind of went overboard with the health. Um but this actually leads perfectly to uh, the next question that I was going to bring up. Um, do you believe that the challenges are too tough? And I'm, we can also include challenges like this uh, from the book. But there are a lot of people who are saying that the challenges or the challenge modes for the raid are too tough. Now, again... The opinions of, of, of our opinions are completely different, and I'm sure that we have our own responses to this. Um, we, we're trying to involve as much of the community since there's a lot of people bringing it up, and we don't want to just poo-poo their, their, their question or their thought. Um, so we'll start off with you. Do you believe that the challenge modes in Destiny are too tough? And we'll also talk about Atheon right here. I mean, Atheon's challenge is that everybody must kill an oracle when you get teleported rather than the seven that you had originally there's now six oracles and some people get teleported some don't so we'll start off with you do you believe that the challenge modes in destiny raids and the book will also include the two in the book for death singer and the gorgons are too tough i don't think so i i think it's going to come down to which challenge specifically is going to be too tough and I think right now one of the toughest ones is going to be Golgoroth, but it's one that comes down to the same factor. It all comes down to communication. Things like Atheon Challenge and the Templar Challenge for this raid specifically 
They're not that bad. They are pretty easy once you get the hang of it, once you and your group are, are talking. There are people that I've known that went through and they did it in, you know, two go arounds once they, they figured out what the challenges were. And there are people that I know that still right now can't do this. But if you go into those groups and you help and you're jumping in, seeing what they're struggling with, it's always coming down to communication. Now, I know something from the community that's been brought up is the fact that there are you have two things. You have people that raid with the same group of people day in, day out every week. They'll do all the raids or do one specific raid. And that's great. Those are the people that are going to get the challenges done. No problem. But then you have the other people, which are going to be more like the the casual gamers or um, and I'm going to use that term very loosely. It's going to be more the people that don't really do the raids. They could be playing PVE or PVP, but they're really not doing the raids because whether it be they have to LFG a group, they have to go on one of the Facebook pages or they're in a clan and they can't really find the people to do it at the same time. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, Atheon challenge is very, very simple, and, and so is the Templar challenge. The biggest thing that they added in is the fact that it says challenge failed when you screw it up. That's mm -hmm. the biggest thing. Um, that does help out dramatically, but once you're able to communicate with the group that you're in, they're they're very easy. The group that I ran through with um, Atheon challenges, we were able to take him down in two go arounds most some people can get them down in one but two go arounds is the safe bet and it is fairly easy you just you need to have that communication you need to know who took down what oracle or whose name popped up who took it down twice and screwed it up and you got to admit to those mistakes that you made and then go through and correct them mm -hmm. yeah i mean for me I, I think it's safe to say that the challenges are appropriate, all of them. Um, it is supposed to be a challenge. You're not supposed to be able to complete these easily. Uh, that being said, I think that the reason people are having most problems with the challenges is that most people who raid, I think, rely on the LFG source. And it's very tough for six random people, most circumstances, six random people who know nothing about each other or each other's playstyle, to come cohesive, co cohesively enough to complete some of these challenges. There's a lot of different people that go on LFG. There's some really, really good raiders that, that do LFG. And there's people who are hoping to do a raid for the first time. Um, there's a, so the, you, you got a broad spectrum with regards to LFG, um, and because of that broad spectrum, it makes those challenges harder. Um, there's people who swear up and down that they know exactly what, what they're supposed to be doing, and within five seconds they die. Um, this is not to, to throw any shade on them, but I, I completely, completely understand why some people are like, I don't get this, um, and they may need help from more experienced gamers. I mean, every so often I'll, I'll do runs and I'll post, hey, doing a Vault of Glass run, um, join up right now, and, and I'm able to take a group through. Um, and we were able to do everything, including the Atheon, within two hours, 30 minutes, almost three hours. Um, which seems like a lot of time, but given the challenge, it's not all that unexpected. So I, I honestly think that the challenges, all of them, are an inappropriate level and 
what it comes down to is knowing what you need to do. And sometimes what you need to do is stick to basics. And a lot of people try to be exotic and, and try to make it, you know, try to be the hero. And what I mean by that is let's use the Atheon challenge. A lot of people want a one-shot Atheon. And sometimes it's just not possible. Sometimes you're better off, you know, breaking off, killing the, the supplicants, doing the thing all over again one more time to get the kill later on. And that might that, that trying to force it sometimes doesn't work. Sometimes you're better off just going for that second round. And yeah, I, I see it a lot of times. Like there's a lot of groups saying, oh, we could definitely, everybody's, you know, one-shotting him. It's like, no, there's a lot of people just two-shotting him. Like, Slow it down. Let's get it done. Instead of being here for three hours because you want to one-shot it. Yeah, those people uh, that are doing the one-shots, I mean, yeah, it's a decent amount of people getting getting the one-shots on them, but those are the groups that, They've been raining, whether uh, for the same with the same group, whether it be since the original Vault of Glass dropped back in year one, or you know when King's Fall came out in year two. It's those are those groups that they've already know how each other works. They they have that mm -hmm. great communication and they have that playthrough because I know that to to give like a little bit of backstory on me, I've played a lot on Xbox and I used to sherpa people through raids. And what I used to do in King's Fall, and this is one of the ones that helped me gauge where people were and if they were understanding, I would actually, in for Oryx, when we got to it, I would have everyone sit down in the middle and I would basically teach it like it was a class and say, this is what's going on. Who has questions? Don't be afraid to ask <laughs> questions. Oh, no. Oh, it was hysterical. Um, it was don't be afraid to ask questions and admit that you don't know something because when we go through and we do it and you think you're doing something the right way and it's actually not the right way you may not want to admit to it because some people may get discouraged. Some people may get pissed off, but doing something as simple as that helped out, helped bring out the questions that we were trying to go through every case scenario. We would literally talk about what we're going to do for 20 minutes to a half hour, go through, do the challenge in one shot or mm -hmm. just finish it. It really does come down to communication and who you're playing with. You can't really go through, add one person into a, a fresh group of five other people. Who knows? Maybe you can have that lucky group where everyone is listening to everyone and talking and doing what they're supposed to do and knock it out on the first go around. Out of all the raids I've done, that's happened to me twice. And mm -hmm. I can count that as opposed to how many times we've failed stuff with groups of people that we play with versus groups of people that we don't know. That number is dramatically higher than getting that those lucky like one or two groups and going through and knocking it out or knocking out a challenge or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm because of all these challenge modes, I'm, I'm actually really excited to see what raids and destiny two are going to be like, because I think that they're going to do a lot more stuff with team or, or emphasizing team communication and team uh, makeup. I think it's safe to say that, you're going to have to have a variety of players to complete raids in the future. Uh, you can't just have a team full of Titans or a team full of Hunters and a team full of Warlocks. Uh, just because I, I think that what they're trying to do is encourage team makeup and team building. Um, Luke Smith, who's... They haven't really announced it, but it's almost positive that he is the lead on Destiny 2, and he's the one who created... 
the raid for Kingsfall or or had a heavy hand in in establishing what he wanted with regards to the raid in Kingsfall. And I think that they're going to continue similar elements where they're encouraging teams or having certain teams. And it's going to be interesting to see what kind of subclasses we have in Destiny 2 since we know all of our powers going back down to zero. We're going to get new powers and new weapons and new experiences. We're going to need, have to have a completely different team makeup um, for the new raids. And it's going to be interesting to see if, let's say, for example, there's a tank character where who's, he's drawing all the aggro while you have stealth fighters you know, going through, disabling weapons of the enemy and stealth killing some certain cabal. It'd be cool to see what, what, what they're going to be doing in the future. And I think that these challenge modes are more of a hint of what's going to be happening for Destiny 2 than people realize. So it's going to be interesting to see how LFG groups respond to that. Yeah, and I, I do agree with that. Like, a lot of this is, you got to think, it's getting us prepared for Destiny 2. So if the increase in difficulty is getting harder now, that's setting, honestly, a, setting a great sign for Destiny 2. Because if you're going to be struggling a little bit now you're going to have a much better time in Destiny 2, whether it be struggling a little bit and once you get the hang of it, or maybe you're just used to it now and it's going to be, you know, no transition. But one of the things that I've seen, and this is one that I really hope that they don't do, is some people have been talking about um, matchmaking in raids. And I really, really don't think that's a good idea. That's not going to make it fun that's going to make it worse i really hope they don't do that i don't know you know how many people have seen it because i know we've all talked about it since things like king's fall came out but a lot of people have been bringing it up again once the age of triumph book came out with the challenges for me um i don't mind matchmaking and raids as long as there's an option to not do matchmaking and raids I uh, having the opportunity to at least try the activity, even if it's only on normal with matchmaking, would allow people a lot more people to get involved and get excited about that content. There, there's a lot of people who never even try to raid at all, even step foot in a raid. So to provide the opportunity, not a guarantee, but the opportunity for raid matchmaking. I can I, I can go along with, um, as long as they don't make it a mandatory thing. Yeah. And I know for a lot of people that, that they're purists, they're, they're like, no, I don't even want that. I, I I don't want any raid matchmaking at all because you're not you're never gonna learn how to do. It. It's like, well, you got to give people at least the opportunity. That's the biggest problem with Destiny is that there's so much content that is locked behind not being able to to do it if you don't have the team. And introducing matchmaking with the knowledge that, hey, you're going into a tough activity. You, you have to communicate. If you don't communicate, it's all on you. Kind of put a disclaimer out there saying, we highly recommend that you have a mic on and you, you communicate or, or try to communicate effectively. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful. As long as they, they introduce a disclaimer, to encourage mics, they 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 introduce the option to have it on or off with regards to the matchmaking. Or even if you have, let's say, 
in the um, the new towns or whatever the the quote unquote tower, the social space that you're going to be going into, a little kiosk where you can do matchmaking of sorts, like that'd be an option. But to not introduce one entirely without, I think, would do the community a little bit of a disservice. I mean, we're already seeing it right now. The majority of players are using LFG sites to, to do this, to form matchmaking, whether it's fair or not. I mean, but I, I just don't want to see people not being able to, to do the activity at all. And as long as you introduce options, I think it'd be, it'd be well done. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I think we're at a good spot right now. Was there anything else you wanted to throw in with regards to Age of Triumph that you've encountered so far or Vault of Glass? Uh, so far, I think we've covered it all. I mean, everything has been a lot of fun. Like I said, some of the challenges are, um, a, a little bit not worth the rewards, but that, that's been about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm definitely excited to be able to go into, um, King's Fall next week with weapons that are supposedly, we don't know the cha- the changes, but supposedly going to make that raid a little bit easier. I mean, think about it. The raid weapons that we got from Kingsfall were all for extra damage against Taken. And now we have weapons such as the Abyss Defiant that can make wizards dizzy or do extra damage to um, to Hive Majors. There's a lot of Hive Majors in that raid, in, in the early going at least. And the, we can use those weapons pretty effectively there. So it's going to be an exciting time uh, to go through Kingsfall again. Long live the king. <laughs> and do some damage on Oryx at, at a much harder level. The original uh, Vault of Glass was the original raid, but King's Fall was the one that made it an event, I would say. King's Fall was definitely a big, huge event on Twitch with Cathalian and all the other groups, you know, going at it. It was it, it was it, it was a highlight of a lot of people's uh destiny experience. So it's gonna be very, very exciting to see that raid in the current light level. So With that, we want to thank you for listening to In Orbit. We're available on a ton of different platforms, so make sure that you all are spreading the word. The best way to do that is to share In Orbit with others. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Overcast for iOS, Downcast for iOS, Google Play Music, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, and Pocket Cast. We also have an RSS feed. And links for each platform are available right on the Mashos Buttons website at www.mashosbuttons.com. Make sure that you stay tuned after the show to hear what's going on with this week on Mashos Buttons. And make sure to check out all the other shows on the Mashos Buttons network at www.mashosbuttons.com forward slash shows to see all of our podcasts. For any questions regarding scheduling, check mashosbuttons.com slash schedule. For scheduling details. You can check us out on twitter.com slash MTB site, twitter.com slash inorbit podcast, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, youtube.com slash mash those buttons. David is available on twitch.tv slash DS Bolt. Jordan is available on Twitch at www.twitch.tv slash IMTBot. And where are you available, Josh? Uh, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash fullclip101, and clip has two Ps in it. And as always, you can find me on all the different social network sites and gaming platforms via my screen name, GoToNRG. That's G-O, the number two, 
NRG. Make sure that you guys send us any questions to inorbitpodcast at gmail.com or drop us a tweet at twitter.com slash inorbitpodcast. My prior events are not a memory. It is momentum. It advances, leads, and controls, points and directs, shapes and forms. I may not enjoy everything that lies in front of me, but as in any story, the past needs resolution. We are the authors, the finishers of our fate. What is in my past is my prologue, and what is in my future is my destiny. On behalf of the entire In Orbit team, David, Jordan, Jared, and myself, and also this week's guest, Full Clip, a.k.a. Josh, we thank you for listening to our show, and as always, we'll see you on the next mission. Your destiny calls. Thank you for choosing a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Here's what's coming up this week on Mash Those Buttons. On Monday, April 10th, Jorge, David, and Jordan transmit in orbit. This week talking the return of Iron Banner, excitement for future raids, and the return of the Vault of Glass. On Tuesday, April 11th, Nick and Katie continue their quest to educate you on wild lore on the Torn and the Goblin. This week talking puzzles and riddles, Nick's Falcosaur, and Ungoro Crater. On Wednesday, April 12th, Crash Tag and Meza bring you the latest in fighting games and the fighting game community on Double Tap. This week talking NRS closing in on launch, new moves in Street Fighter, and esports thuggery at all-time highs. On Thursday, April 14th, Jared and Mikey bring you the latest in Overwatch and its community on Watchpoint Radio. This week discussing King's Row Uprising, the latest Overwatch comic, and PC competitive meta. On Friday, April 15th, Mike, Rob, and Luke bring you SITREP Radio, talking the latest in the division and the state of the game. To find more information on all of our shows, go to mashthosebuttons.com slash shows. And to see our full podcast schedule, visit mashthosebuttons.com slash schedule.